0: Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell.
1: This is your daily syndication show. Today our guest is Alan Schneer. Thanks for being on the show, Alan. Hey, Whitney. Well, thank you for having me. Alan is based in Houston. He offers exceptional real estate investment services by changing the very way people buy real estate, create cash flow, and harness their entrepreneurial drive to obtain true financial freedom. So through books, presentations, seminars, and consultations, Alan has shared his cash flow mindset with anyone seeking true financial freedom. Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your real estate background and for those that don't know you, how how you got into the business.
0: Sure. Well, today is a special day because today is, uh, what I remember to be nine 11 and, uh, nine 11 was actually, unfortunately the way I got involved in real estate. You see, I actually worked in the world trade center in New York city. And on uh, September 10th, 2001, I happened to, by chance, take a business trip. And I woke up 12 hours later on the West coast, uh, to really learn that, uh, the 700 out of a thousand employees at my company perished and 40 out of 44 of my teammates um, died as well. So um, I needed to move. We'll just kind of move along. Um, but uh, always thinking about everybody on days like this and uh, all the heroes uh, that pitched in. Okay. On to the real estate part. Wow. Um, I needed to move from Hoboken, New Jersey um, my condo, the backyard was the world trade center and the, uh, the subway system that took me there was gone too, as, as well as the, uh, the, the world trade center. So I moved to Houston with the company and I learned how to rent out my condo in Jersey. And when I got to Houston, I realized you could buy houses for like twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 a pop. And, uh, you know, from where I'm from, that's cheaper than a used car and these cash flow right? So, I ended up buying one house a month, believe it or not, Whitney, for ten years. Wow! I kept my job. I, I developed a business, um, and I also was buying real estate part time. Really enjoying it. It was. A, it helped me balance out my life. And then one day, I really woke up ten years later with uh, 120 to 150 houses, and I realized if I was going to take things further, I needed to leave corporate America and scale and scale I did because then I realized that it was time to start buying uh, apartment buildings and I had this joke if I wasn't buying one house a month I uh, I was a house Hulk <laughs> and then it turned into an apartment attic every 90 days for 5 years I ended up buying apartment buildings so I had around 2000 units 5 years into it 18 apartment complexes and as I was just telling you earlier I think what makes it a little more exciting for me and being on the show, um, over a dozen were syndications, maybe 15 were syndications. And I've also done other syndicated product uh, projects, but I bought, I fixed, I filled them up, I refinanced, and I sold 17 of 18 apartment complexes. So I know what it's like to carry a group of investors, limited partners in my case, work with general partners, which was me and some other individuals, uh, responsibly report to our partners uh, either every quarter or, or monthly. We actually sent out monthly distributions. I felt like that made me differ from the rest of the pack. So our investors felt like they were kind of like receiving, you know, a salary or they were actually seeing the interest and in the profit grow on their money. But what's really exciting about the apartment buildings um, at that time in my career was we bought around $50 million worth of rundown Class C and Class D apartment buildings. We fixed them. We came in uh, carpet tile paint and um, we bought, I told you, we bought around 2000 units and we ended up selling them all um, around three, four or five years later for 75 million. So the group made around $25 million in the syndication. So very exciting for me and very exciting for my investors.
1: Very nice. Sounds like you have you've done a little bit of everything in the real estate business and, and you
0: scaled. I mean, you scaled very quickly buying
1: one a month. I don't, I don't think most
0: people. I was going to say, Whitney, what's really, I think really important um, when it comes to real estate state and, and syndication. Um, you were just explaining to me where you are in the evolution of your real estate investing. It's really important. If you want to go big um, that you scale and you increase the size of your units because we're lucky we get to measure we get to measure our progress. It may be by profit in dollars or square footage or units. Um, so as long as that number keeps increasing, your bottom line technically should be increasing too, as long as you continue to educate yourself, go to seminars um, and work your networks. Wow. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. You know,
1: I mean, growing that business, you were still working full time while you were buying one house a month.
0: Is that right? Yeah, you know, and uh, I'm a little older than you folks, but uh, I will tell you that it was during the days where uh, Google Satellite was just coming online. So if you could imagine keeping your job, I was, you know, originally from Wall Street, um, I was always working on a a commodity trading desk. So I kind of had to hide it from the other guys because it was the kind of mentality. If if they thought that, you know, you believe the grass was greener on the other side, well then go do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I always had to hide the fact that I was on Google satellites. Um, I just memorized the formula in one particular town. If the land was worth ten or fifteen thousand dollars for the lot um, and I can get a good fifteen 000, a fifteen hundred to two thousand square foot house for twenty thirty dollars a square foot, you know I'm all in twenty thirty forty thousand, and on a good day, they usually back then appraised for seventy five to a hundred thousand dollars a house. And they usually cash flowed fifty to a few hundred dollars a month apiece. And those were my general rules. You really I always believe in having that that back of the number on, on the envelope, or or just know what your golden nuggets are and what you're looking for and your your five-step formula. You just always follow it. Even when real estate doesn't have all your attention, if you know your formula, you can't fail. Mm. How did you, how did you know that
1: it was time to leave corporate America? I, you know, I can, I can just hear the naysayers and the people saying, oh, you know, they're just leaving that comfort zone. How did you know you're ready to do that? And how did you handle people that were saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that. This is where you need to be. You're crazy.
0: It wasn't that tough for me, even though I, I, I had a very high paying job being a commodities broker and trader i um but there comes a point where you really have to start valuing your time, and even though I was making more money being a commodity broker, my time spent being a broker was really fifty to seventy hours a week, and my time spent being a real estate investor was minimal I mean, it was just a few hours um, I'm sure your listeners become experts in outsourcing. You know, maybe if it's a VA or I never went to a title company, the title company always came to me. Or if I was traveling, I would sign over a power of attorney. Um, I was very quick to wire money around. If, you know, the, the whole school, the, the, the Tim Ferriss school thought, you know, if it could be farmed out, farm it out. And I applied all that to doing that. And I got to tell you, when you finally fine tune your formulas, and you say to yourself, well, let's just throw a number out. Say you're making $20,000 a month at your W-2 income job, and you're still only making five or $10,000 with all those houses I just mentioned a month. Clearly, you have to say to yourself, well, what if I really put more time into this? Um, what can become of it? So, I had to take a few steps back, get, a, get humble, and then I realized if I can concentrate more on my real estate, treat it more like a job, it became so scalable. And I actually got it up to three, 400 houses when I, when I made that, that leap of faith. Wow. Yeah. So your time, you know, of course, and I, I know we're short on time here, but you know, you take into account your family or if you're starting one or your marriage, if you're starting one, where is your time best spent? And if you spent more time doing your real estate, would it enhance your relationships? And will you make more money? And for me, it was yes and yes. And then I stepped away from the commodity business.
1: Wow. Was it about the same time you stepped away from single family too and decided to
0: syndicate deals? It was because, because uh, you know, a few hundred houses at the at the time, I think it was either like 100, 150 houses when I stepped away. Um, sounds nice. And you might say, well, you know, good for Alan. And, and, you know, he really didn't take a risk when he stepped away. Well, it still wasn't competing with the salary that I was making with my W-2 job. So it was a huge gamble, and quite frankly, anyone who has a large house portfolio in a Class C neighborhood knows that you know, there's not always a lot of cash flow in those houses. So you have no choice, you already got one foot in it, you're half pregnant, you have to get to the next level, you have to go through the evolution chain. And for most of us, that is multifamily housing. And boy, when I bought my first 76-unit building, I really got schooled because that 76-unit building, that one building paid more money than probably definitely like 100 houses. And of course, we all know in the real estate business, it's much easier to run that 76-unit building than 100 houses.
1: With all your experience in the syndication business, you know, what would you tell somebody now that is looking to, okay, I want to get into real estate, but I hear it all the time. Well, but you got to start with a, a few single family homes, you know, how, how should, how can they answer that question and say, you know, or, and how would you advise them?
0: Well, I know it sounds cliche and trite. If you really want to jumpstart the process, you got to get a mentor. You got to find someone who did it. Yeah. You got to invest time in them and they will invest time with you. It might be your own dollars, or you might be working for free, sweat equity, but figure that out. If you pass that test, I would suggest to get big as fast as possible so you can afford to pay people around you. And I mean your accountants, your attorneys, and I also mean help. Because if you think you're going to be jack of all trades, you're going to have a long, long journey ahead of you, which is okay for some of you. But if you're coming from a white collar job, I would suggest, you know, don't just buy, you know, a 34 unit building. I would suggest jump into 132, 160, go big and get bigger. Because when you're on this route of, I call it the real estate evolution, which is in my book, we could talk about in one second. You're going to actually start running out of time. So you're going to have to start paying people to find you deals. You're going to have to be paying your money brokers. Good. Um, You're going to really have to start taking care of everybody and hiring managers. And in doing so, you're going to free up your time and you're going to find more deals. But in other businesses, so for example, I went from, I went from the apartment business to buying shopping center strips shopping center strips, we have something called triple net leases. Now, we all know something breaks in our apartment buildings. You know, it's really, it's fearful. I mean, if you have plumbing that's going underneath your apartment building or your tenants are ripping things up, or even if they break in windows, it's really hard to chase them down if it's a 1960s, 70s, 80s apartment complex. But when it comes to triple net leases in shopping centers, the tenants more or less pay for 100% of everything. So, it's a syndication show. And what I really like about shopping centers compared to apartment buildings is that the cash flow is much more predictable in triple net leases. Um, much more predictable. And therefore, I, can, you know, I don't have to be concerned about a cash call or I don't have to be concerned about shutting off the cash flow um, we're buying something in uh, 75 days. It's a 140,000 foot shopping center. Average tenant's been there for 15 years. Average lease is five to six years right now. And it comes with $800,000 of cash flow after my debt payments, day one. So 90 days out, all my investors are getting checks immediately. It's not, oh, we just bought this empty apartment building. It's going to take six to 12 months to get it up and running and fix. Then six to 12 months turns into 24 months. I know these stories. I've been through it. So um, we really got into this question of, you know, how, how do you scale and how do you go from multifamily to apartment buildings? And we started talking about triple net leases and syndication. And like I just said, for me, I do love all real estate, but the triple net leasing and even the, the the single tenant buildings, I have maybe a Starbucks and a Verizon in the building, just two tenants. Fantastic, you know they take care of everything. They take, they even take care of their own roofs. Could you just could you
1: elaborate a little more on what a triple net lease is for those who've never heard that term?
0: A triple net lease basically spells out. Um, let's say, I'm just thinking of a Starbucks building that I have right now. But clearly, I don't know the star. I don't own the Starbucks franchise but I do own the building and they pay me rent. And in doing so, in the lease, it states that they will pay for the insurance if it goes up or if it goes down. They will pay for taxes if they go up, if they go down, and they will pay for taxes, assurance, and maintenance if something breaks. All right. So, you know, we're pretty much covered. I mean, there are a few things that I might be responsible for if a brick wall falls down or something like that the structure itself, but they're responsible for their own air conditioners. They're responsible for their own storefronts. and You know, I can even bring in, I don't know if it's snow plows to a maintenance crew or even the property management, they pay for all of that. We, we send them a budget. They, they have to agree to the budget. And if we're over or under at the end of the year, we all just true up. I either owe them or they owe me. And it's usually the other way around. They owe me. Wow. So triple net leasing. Sounds like a pretty good deal.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what about um, this cash flow mindset that you talk about? Uh, let's go into, into your book a little bit and tell us a little bit about what, what that means.
0: Okay. First of all, folks, the cash flow mindset, it's on Amazon. Um, it's really, it's got a lot of real estate stories um, um, from buying and selling and flipping properties, numbers and how I did it and funny things that happened. It's also about my uh, journey on Wall Street and my journey through 9-11 and, and just kind of getting really knocked down and coming back really strong. So you can catch it on Audible and you can you can uh, get it on Amazon. And it's really about, um, you know, I talk about the millionaire, billionaire, zillionaire mindset. And, you know, the millionaire mindset is basically understanding that there's income, there's expenses, and there's profit. So when you get involved in a business, it's really important to know that a business is there to make you money, okay? Activity doesn't always equal productivity. So I have a a lot to say about that in the book. And then we kind of move into systems, which I call the billionaire mindset, applying systems so you can scale. It makes no sense if you want to get big and it's kind of like buying just one franchise store. You know, most franchises that I work with that an owner might have 30, 40, 50 different locations. Well, I wanted the same for the apartment buildings and that's why I got it almost up to 20. You got to bring in your team. You got to bring in your managers. You got to write it down in manuals. The whole Michael Gerber E Myth book. If you haven't read it, pick it up. It's great. Um, and then, what you finally get to the 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 zillionaire mindset is, quite frankly, you got to love what you do. Because if you don't love what you do, if you're not passionate about what you do, I can promise you that you're not going to be doing it for very long. Especially in this business, because right there's days, Whitney, where you know, the tenants are, you know, at you or, or, you know, there's days where it's hard to really lift your head up. But if you're passionate and you believe in what you're doing, and maybe you're going to go into a neighborhood and you're going to beautify it, or what better way to make a million dollars overnight? It's possible in real estate too, right? All you got to do is either increase the income, decrease the expenses, you you know, you know, get your NOI nice and humming and, uh, compressed cap rates. I can keep going. There's there's so many different ways where you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate and you get the opportunity to do that. And the people right now that, that are listening to us talk about syndication, my gosh, we can keep going. You got your syndication fees. You got your construction fees. You got your equity override. You got your general partnership that um, your piece of the deal that you deserve because you put it together before you know it. I'm getting ready to close an $18 million deal and the GP keeps 30% of the deal. I mean, do the math. 30% of the cash flow comes with $800,000 of free cash flow. 30% goes to the general partner. So we get the opportunity to really live a, a big life, a large life. And I love it.
1: You know, I like to tell you, you touched on activity doesn't always mean productivity. Right. Could you give us a few keys and how to apply that, How, how we can be more productive instead of just
0: trying to do things that don't, don't move the needle? When I, when I launched my syndication career, I kind of wanted, I wanted, I was, I wanted to appease everybody. I wanted to get the respect from, from say brokers. Okay. And then I'd go after a deal and I'd work that deal and I'd analyze that deal and I'd pull every string I could pull to make it happen and better understand that deal and Start even presenting it to my investors only to find out I didn't get the deal. Mm. So I'd be spinning my wheels and spinning my wheels. And then I finally learned, well, maybe I should be going after a few deals at the same time. But then there's that little voice in our, in our mind that's, you know, gets fearful. Oh my gosh. What if, you know, what if I get all three deals at the same time? What am I going to do? I'm going to have to flake on two of them. I'm not going to have enough money, you know, this and that and this and that. So, but the chances are, you know what? You're only going to get one or two deals out of 10 anyway. So start throwing darts on the wall or mud against the wall. Um, because like I just said, if uh, activity doesn't always equal productivity. So keep that in mind, just because you're focused on one thing doesn't mean you're going to get it.
1: Hmm. Could you tell us, give us some pointers on systems so we can, to help us scale.
0: Sure. Systems are so important for me. Um, For example, uh, every Wednesday I meet my CPA and I've been doing that for around 10 years. Um, Everyone on my team reports to my CPA Um, systems we set up all checks come out of QuickBooks. Every dollar is accounted for. I sign every check that's part of the systems. Um, I have personal assistants assistants, um, that kind of buffer people away from me. Um, I have third party property management companies. That are I don't want to use the word trained, but every every month I get my financials a, on a certain date, and then we have scheduled uh, meetings to go over those 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 uh, um, profit and loss statements, cash flow statements, and balance sheets and rent rolls. So a system is something that you can duplicate, and as soon as I call it a business pod in my book, as soon as you can take a system and you can duplicate it with someone else that could run it for you. well, step aside and let someone else do it for you and that is a successful system. Um, I have actually multiple businesses, and I, I I equate it to this business pod system method that works well for me um, as soon as as soon as it's up and running, I find that CEO, I find that manager, and I step aside, knowing that I'm going to share the profit with that person. So share.
1: Like how you talked about, soon as you know, it's up and running, it's time to step aside. You find that CEO, you put them in place. Um, I guess give us, give us some pointers on hiring that person on quality, you know, in the syndication business. Um, I have just going through the process of hiring an assistant myself and, and uh, probably are looking for an, another one or a second one. And uh, any, any advice on hiring someone that can help us with those systems.
0: It is tough. I, I should tell everybody there was a point in my career where I had a property management company that we managed 7,000 apartment units, 1,000 houses, wow. and some shopping centers, 200 employees, half a million dollar payroll every two weeks. So you can imagine the systems we had in place. It's, it's, it's tough. But listen, at the end of the day, the managers have to manage the managers. Mm. So you have to learn how to manage your managers and you have to get out of the way have some faith that people are going to do what they're supposed to do and report to the managers. So manage the managers is the best advice I can give somebody if you want to grow. You know, if you're going to be that control freak, well, there's only so much bandwidth you have in your head and then you'll be limiting yourself. So it's really up to the individual how big they want to grow. In, in your uh, experience, what's been the hardest part of the syndication business? The hardest part of the syndication business. Well, when you take somebody's money, it's, it's, it's a huge responsibility. You really have to understand that somebody worked really hard for that money and um, you have to respect the money. You have to be a good steward of the money and you have to make the right decisions for the group. And I remember there was one time where it's, there was I told the strategy was to, to buy and hold a particular property. And um, within two to three years of holding this property, I was able to parlay it into a second one by cross collateralizing uh, one apartment complex uh, to buy the one across the street because it doubled and tripled in price. So, long story short, I'm happy to say that we netted $6 million when I sold the deal, which I have a rule. If a deal can net 10 years of cash flow, it should be sold. Um, and unfortunately, that wasn't the business plan that the some of the limited partners signed up for. So what's good for you might not be good for them. And some, not everybody wants a taxable consequence or actually finding properties is not easy. So even though, even though we made nine hundred percent on the deal and it was actually fifty fifty that one the general partner kept four hundred and fifty percent, and the partners made four hundred and fifty percent um there was there were some people that were upset with me, but I felt like I did what was you know best for the group so you know you're you're a leader and you're in charge you're in control make sure your documents uh, state that so that was um that was bittersweet success on that one particular deal.
1: Hmm. Well, Alan, uh, tell our listeners how they can learn
0: more about you and learn more about uh, the books that you have. Sure. So, I have a lot of education. I just give it away now. It's at a l a n s c h n u r A-L-A-N-S-C-H-N-U-R.com. And my books are on Amazon. And they're also, um, I did a reading on Audible, so you can download them from there as well. And look, just reach out. uh, Real estate could be a whole only business. So I get a few emails every day from people who read the books and uh, happy to answer questions, talk about deals, network. I want to partner and I'm always looking for people to uh, syndicate um, with and I'm interested in their deals as well. So please reach out. Looking forward to uh, meeting some new people. And Whitney, I'd like you. Thanks for the opportunity. Wow. Well, thank you so much,
1: Alan, for being on the show. And I really appreciate your time. I know you've provided lots of value and uh, we'll have the information to the book in the show notes and uh, information you've provided. And we will talk to the listeners tomorrow.
0: Excellent. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital.